What if Roswell was a government stunt to cover up an even bigger conspiracy? They say light speed is the fastest anything can go, but what about dark speed? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This This Paranormal Life. Yo! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast. Every Tuesday we investigate a different paranormal tale, claim, or case and get to the bottom of whether it's truly paranormal or not. As always, you're joined by myself, Mr. Kit Grimalvena, this guy, Mr. Roy Pars. How are you doing today, Roy? I'm doing fantastic. You know, usually I like to go into these podcasts high energy, right? high focus. I'll have an energy drink or a little iced coffee before we get started. Don't we but, all? you know, it's a little later in the day. We've got a we've got a couple beers here. A couple cervezas. We're ready. We're ready to take the edge off because look, some paranormal cases are too much. It's like trying to fist fight a shark. Sometimes it's better to just have a beer and let the shark f- you up, right? Than try and fight that thing. And that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna let the shark win. They say to aim for the eyes and to punch it in the eyeballs yeah i say aim for the mouth with a bud light that's the best way to beat a shark attack (laughs) this episode brought to you by bud light oh yeah did you know a shark can smell a corona from 200 miles away as soon as it hits the water no other beer it's (laughs) up like that even the other like spinoffs of corona doesn't get it no no, that's the original original corona Corona. recipe So we're going to dive right into today's investigation. So often on this paranormal life, we investigate tales of UFOs and close encounters of the first, second, hell, even third kinds. Yet sometimes the physical evidence is lacking. Whatever transpired is lost to history. Maybe it was taken away by the authorities like in Roswell. And even if it's there, like in some video or picture evidence, it could always be fake, right? Rory, what if I told you that there's a case A paranormal investigation where the physical evidence, the smoking gun, is there right now. Present to this very day. Oh my gosh. Today's investigation takes us deep into Texas. Aurora, Texas, specifically. That already sounds spooky. Aurora? Aurora, Texas? Usually I'm like, buckweed, Texas. Sandy cattle, Texas. Big rock, valley it's usually you know? like aurora it's a, texas it's a physical thing it's like a, it's like something that you would find on a ranch that's what you name a town after but aurora it's mysterious it's ethereal that sounds like the texas version of hogwarts yeah where the southern american kids go to aurora school of witchcraft and cowboyery loved to see unless it was there and i missed it but i would would have loved to see a like deep south school in the harry potter universe yeah really underrepresented where all the wizard students they don't even use their powers they're all like six foot five and in the nfl getting drafted (laughs) so they don't need powers they're already world famous yeah being able to catch a 70 yard touchdown is already pretty magical you don't need a wand just imagining yeah like you know some tom brady looking character like on his retirement day in front of the press junket oh yeah i'm a wizard by the way yeah by the way that was a footnote to the whole thing this is a very quiet very small place we're talking like a thousand people tops this is the kind of place where the local sheriff is also the postman of course and one teacher has to teach every age group because there's only like five kids so the young kids have to learn really fast and the old kids have to temper their expectations because they're not going to get into college but if you've listened to this show before you'll know that when we talk about small places it's because 
big things happened there. Nice, nice. April 17th, 1897, over 120 years ago. It's around 6am and the local judge, who's also the milkman and the town crier, is just about to awake. He's blinking his eyes open and fumbling for his clothes to get up and face the day when he hears a huge explosion outside his house, a deafening crash. He runs to the bedroom window to check his farm and see where it came from. Immediately, he sees the tall windmill that normally overlooks his farm has been smashed to pieces. Whoa. Flames catching on the remains at the top. In shock, he grabbed his coat and ran downstairs to the yard. Standing there, he couldn't believe his eyes. It wasn't just the windmill. His water tank had exploded too. There was wooden debris and flames and twisted metal fragments scattered all over the ground. Oh my god. Later, he would discover that the debris was scattered for acres all over his farm. So this was a big explosion. This is the big kahuna. He's lucky he didn't wake up dead. Yeah, wake up in hell. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're rubbing your eyes open, putting on your boots until you see that your boots have spikes in them now. (laughs) And the floor is lava. If you wake up in the morning with your eyes closed and you can kind of feel the razor sharp poke of, a, of the devil's pitchfork, keep those eyes closed. Because that's the only rest you're going to get for the next thousand years. <laughs> keep on sleeping. If you're lucky, thousand years is getting off early for good behavior. Which, good behavior in hell is obviously bad behavior. Yeah. you got to torture your fellow inmates for that. <laughs> How would you ever escape hell? If good behavior is bad behavior, and the second you're nice, your sentence just doubled. <laughs> You so much as smile at a passing stranger. You'll be there for another million years. It was when he looked next to the water tank to his flower beds, he saw the destruction there too, and it clicked with him. There hadn't been a gas explosion or some kind of accident. Something crashed through the windmill, through the water tank, and had plowed through the flower beds, sending earth flying everywhere before finally skidding to a halt. Wow, this thing's like a meteorite or something. Hearing the flames licking in the yard, he walked carefully towards the flower beds and saw the cause of all this destruction. A large metal object lying half buried in the field. Here we go. Here we go. What are you doing in that situation if you're the judge here? Well, this is a strange uh, case because, you know, usually when we have someone in a small town like this who comes across what... Seems to be, folks, some sort of UFO craft. Seems like it. Usually they make the mistake of reporting it to the authorities (laughs) instead of keeping it on the hush-hush. Sure. This guy is the authorities. He is. He's also the people. He is everyone, it sounds like. This town is so small. That's right. So it's going to be interesting to see where this case goes. He's kind of in split minds. He wants to tell everyone, but then the sheriff side of him is like, keep your mouth shut. You know, he's having like Gollum Smeagol style <laughs> dialogues in his own head. That's so true. Like he, if he decided to, he could shut this thing down before it even gets out of his farm. Yeah. Either way, he should have a gun. It took pretty much no time for this news to hit the stands. All right, here we go. <laughs> like I said, it's a small town. The judge's son probably doubles as a paper boy who writes the news out in a piece of paper and throws it onto people's lawns. So later that morning, journalist S.E. Hayden published the following article in the Dallas Morning News. The headline read, A windmill demolishes it. 
It's a bad headline. It doesn't tell you anything about this story. It's also not what happened. He wrote it so quickly after what happened, okay? The headline was basically panting noises and then windmill. <laughs> Boom. There's no time. Come see for yourself. <laughs> the headline to an article should never be, there's no time. There's no time to explain. People are going to throw their paper to the ground and evacuate the city. There's no time to explain. <laughs> Get in. <laughs> Aurora County, Texas, April 17th. About six o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which has been sailing through the country. It was traveling due north and much nearer the earth than ever before. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling toward the earth. It sailed directly over the public square and when it reached the north part of town, collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill and went to pieces with a terrific explosion scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one on board, and while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Whoa! Mr. T.J. Weems... They know his name? <laughs> United States Signal Service officer at this place, oh. and an authority on astronomy, gives it as his opinion that he was a native of the planet Mars. Papers found in his person, evidently the record of his travels, are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered. The ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive power. It was built of an unknown metal, resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminium and silver, and that it must have weighed several tons. The town is full of people today who are viewing the wreck and gathering specimens of the strange metal from the debris. The pilot's funeral will take place at noon tomorrow. He's getting a funeral? Yes! So, so much is happening so fast! Rory, what are your immediate thoughts? Usually, you know, when we get to the, the newspaper report portion of a alien craft, the details are still super fuzzy. You know, it's... Visitors reported seeing a glowing red ball in the distance. It's unclear as to what this is. They, they're just like, hey, it's an alien. Uh, we think he's from Mars. We're going to bury him in the lot. Come around 12 noon, bring some sandwiches. I can't tell if this is more or less realistic because of that. <laughs> why, are they, why are they burying him? Because like, he's not dead. Even, <laughs> but not even like contacting any further authorities not even like transporting him to i guess like a scientist or possibly a laboratory they're burying him in the ground so this bit's kind of interesting it's 1897 it's a long ass time ago especially in like the deep south where america is not old at this point it's like i don't think there's no nasa there's no yeah. space agency there's no there's probably not even and like national authority of like biological research on this stuff if there is it's not probably widely known i think they just decided the authority is the sheriff or the judge and we have a military officer here who says it's chill to bury him he's a martian <laughs> just what a strange part of our culture to force on an alien being <laughs> 
a bit like because i know like granted burials you know they go back to pretty much the oldest age of humanity right still humanity <laughs> maybe on his planet when you pass away they shove space dynamite up your ass and blow you into the stars we don't know how insulting that could be to literally put his corpse on our planet by the way not even mars our planet is earth it's literally dirt but how do you contact mars to let them know i i don't know this seems weird <laughs> This se- it seems weird to put him in a tiny little box, put him in the ground, presumably wave an American flag and do a <laughs> 21 gun salute. Uh, this is super bizarre. I mean, I did think it was interesting that they decided to bury him. But that suggests and maybe a number of things. One of which is that he looked human enough to bury. Because you make yeah. a good point. If this were some kind of animal or beast, we might not bury it. If, if it was some kind of animal, it might, it might be paraded around or just photographs taken. Whereas this thing obviously was humanoid enough that people felt the right thing to do was to bury it. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that people weren't just re- recoiling in fear at the very sight of this thing. I mean, they called it a pilot. So yeah, not a, a bug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't say anything about his appearance. They just said the pilot was badly disfigured. Yeah. The, the the army officer says he's a Martian. Like the town isn't gathering round for the funeral of a 12 foot <laughs> half cockroach, half beetle Borg. Yeah, we had to dig a particularly large grave because he's an 18 foot snake. <laughs> so this is immediately a different beast to almost every UFO case featured on this paranormal life. We have multiple witnesses, physical damage to the crash site, a military officer who inspected the pilot's body and determined he was from the planet Mars. Then they pulled quote unquote papers from the ship with alien hieroglyphics on it. Not only that, but dozens of locals visited the site and then the cherry on top, like you say, the Martian pilot was given a Christian funeral. The details are more fantastical than almost any other UFO case I've ever heard of. I think the only reason this case isn't more well-known or more documented is because it's over 120 years old. Right. But the age of this case is, I think, what makes the story so interesting. Because in lots of other cases we've investigated, they were reported in the heyday of UFO sightings. People went nuts for these stories in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It was the start of the space age, and there was a lot of excitement about what was out there, so people were thinking about UFOs all the time. But 1897, I don't think anyone was thinking about space at that time, really. We were still exploring Earth. Yeah, You know, there's still stuff to do here on our planet before we start looking anywhere else. Like I say, I mean, America really wasn't that old at that point. I mean, people within living memory were still coming over from Europe to settle the United States. I mean, as we learned in previous episodes, we had just finished hunting vampires. (laughs) (laughs) It was a whole new world for us. Yeah, there were still drafting laws to ban vampires. That's how long ago this was. I just love that there was definitely people in this town as soon as the law got passed (laughs) that you weren't allowed to dig up the remains of your loved ones and burn them for being vampires anymore. They were just like on their front porch having a beard being like, well, shit, what are we going to do now? And then like a beat passes and they just see a meteorite coming down towards (laughs) the earth. Here's the next one. Let's do this. (laughs) The 1800s version of the like the mystery machine and Scooby-Doo gang. <laughs> so whenever I heard this story, I thought, this is it. There's a Martian body 
buried in Texas. And if by some miracle it hasn't already been dug up, we can go there right now and dig it up. But it wasn't that simple. As the years after the crash went by, the locals knew the story, but researchers poured in from all around the country to try and validate what happened. They tried to test the water around where the UFO crashed, digging scraps of metal out of trees surrounding the crash site, even using sonar to try and search the grave for a Martian body. Wow. But the Holy Grail was digging up the Martian. Of course. They wouldn't need any other tests if they just had its body. And thankfully, they knew exactly where it was buried, because after its Christian burial, they put a makeshift headstone there, a big rock that they apparently carved, a badly carved the shape of a UFO into. Because right. I guess they didn't, they couldn't say beloved father, brother, and... There wasn't a lot to say. <laughs> so that's He was a all. bug. <laughs> he arrests bug. Good luck in alien hell. Because <laughs> I know it's a Christian burial, but you're not a Christian, so... There's no way. We actually saw some pretty weird alien porn in the craft that <laughs> he's definitely going to hell. Bug on bug, human on bug... This is the priest at the funeral. <laughs> it is a great shame that the first visitor from the stars is a sinner. <laughs> Amen. The 21 gun salute is just them pointing 21 guns into the grave and firing, making sure he's gone. <laughs> Thank God he was dead before he could spread this, in- frankly, incredible alien porn amongst our nation. Father, do you want me to take the alien porn? Oh, no, it's... I'm just going to hang on to it for the weekend. See if there's any hidden messages in the in the bug porn. You know, we have a guy who can actually read hieroglyphics. He might be the, the right guy to take a look well, at it. Well, wait, wait, well, hold on now for a minute because give him part, yeah, you can have the, he can have the craft part of it. There's I think there's some interesting stuff with the crafts, but the scriptures, the ancient pornographic scriptures. Well, I wouldn't call those scriptures, <laughs> sir. Should be examined by me. This weekend, with a bottle of wine. You have an erection, Father. <laughs> a sentence that no one ever wants to say. <laughs> that is the the most off-putting sentence I have ever, ever heard in my life. So the researchers appealed to the authorities in 1972, but they were surprised to hear that they weren't allowed to dig up the Martian. They were told that to exhume a body, you need permission from a surviving family member. But an alien doesn't have a next of kin. This is so weirdly tied to last to week's, week's investigation. investigation. Yeah. So there was nothing they could do about it. it. It almost is. The timing is so close. It's almost as if they literally brought in laws to say, you know, you can't dig up a body without permission. Yeah. And then just a few years later, they're like, there's an alien down there. We need to get him. And they're like, no, we remember your kind that believe in the paranormal. We're not letting you dig up shit. It's almost as if this is just definitely a human that they wanted to dig up. <laughs> and now that that's illegal, they've had to say he came from Mars. <laughs> it was so it's, a totally, it's totally fine to dig up his body and burn it. It's like, no, you see, he's not human. They're like, all right, fine, you can you can dig him up and check if he's an alien. <laughs> they dig up the body of a six-foot man, immediately burn it. No, you <laughs> told us you wanted to look at it. T- he was coming for all of you. <laughs> Cut off the head, take the heart. <laughs> God damn it. Every time. 
So this is where I put on my tinfoil hat, guys, because it's getting weird. Even more suspiciously, the headstone that originally marked the Martian grave was removed or destroyed sometime after that, meaning today no one knows where in the cemetery the body was buried. It all begs the question, do the authorities really think it's all BS and that's why they're stopping them from digging it up? Or is there a bigger cover-up going on? What do you think? In a small town like this, do you think there's a chance that they're trying to stop the researchers because they don't want the truth getting out? Well, it seems weird because originally when you said the researchers had come to the town, it was almost to prove the stories rather than disprove the stories. Uh, Something which we don't see a lot, especially when scientists get their grubby little science fingers involved. I don't know. I call them researchers. They're probably... (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) Regular old me and you's down there. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't think like... This is one of these cases that I feel like everyone wants to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. This early on in American history, no one really has uh, established agendas to keep things secret or not. So it seems weird that anyone would be trying to cover up the fact that aliens exist. Yeah, it's kind of early days for men in black behavior. Yeah, they were children in black at this point. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now... This thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. <laughs> um, just as an aside, I mentioned that the headstone was removed People actually created a new headstone after that so they could continue to pay respects to the alien. It just wasn't on the right site. Uh, According to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, people left flowers and wrote messages on this new rock. I thought it was funny. One of these messages was, uh, quote, rest in peace, my alien brother. I love that. (laughs) What do you say to, to a dead alien? 
So we've got a pretty weird story so far, but we're missing that golden piece of evidence that would tie it all together. I said that investigators came to the town looking for stuff, but what did they find exactly? Well, in 1973, the Dallas New Herald made an investigation into the case. They interviewed some local residents who were actually alive at the time of the crash. Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time, said it was all real. She told of how her parents went to the crash site, but they wouldn't let her go because she was too young, and even described the town's discovery of the alien body. I mean, because you said in the news report that uh, people who are living in the surrounding town basically all ran up and got souvenirs. Like yeah, pieces of the craft and debris. stuff. Yeah, so there must be pieces still around, right? Charlie Stevens, who was age 10, saw the airship trailing smoke as it headed north towards Aurora. He wanted to see what happened, but his father made him finish his chores. Later, he told how his father went into town the next day and saw wreckage from the crash. But the most interesting potential witness of all was Mr. Brawley Oates, the man who bought the old judge's farm after the old man died. This is crucial because after the crash happened, they cleared away all the alien ship debris and reportedly dumped it down a well on the judge's property. Ooh. But when Brawley bought the property, he wanted to use the well as a water source and not a dump, so he dug everything out of it by hand to get it working again. Brawley didn't think anything of it at the time, but years later, his hands seized up in crippling arthritis. His mind's eye jumped back in time and pictured himself handling all that alien technology with his bare hands. Oh my god. He knew that's what made him sick. And that's why, since 1945, the well has been sealed in with concrete, and a small outhouse was built on top of it to stop anyone being hurt by the alien effects. Wow. Thank god he didn't drink the water. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating that we have already... This is a very long time ago, but from a 1973 investigation, we have at least three eyewitness accounts that said at least that there was debris. Yeah. And they remember people talking about finding this alien body. Yeah. The only thing that makes it a little difficult is you said that the water tank burst. Yes. So it's not one of these cases where we don't know where these scraps of metal could have come from. There is a possibility that these could have been scraps Possibly from the water tank. That's a really good burst. point. That's pretty forensic. I didn't think of that. It was a water tank. And but presumably it was metal. That doesn't explain, obviously, you know, having all these... I mean, it doesn't explain hieroglyphs. There weren't hieroglyphs <laughs> on the insides of water tanks. <laughs> Unless it was an ancient Egyptian water tank. But despite these eyewitness reports, the journalists and paranormal investigators' actual examination of the town, the graveyard, local soil, and the water from the local well for traces of metal fragments or chemicals, well, those tested inconclusively. There wasn't enough evidence to say this was definitely contaminated by Martian technology. Of course, there is one other explanation for what happened in 1897 in Aurora. A few years after that 1970s investigation, in 1980, Time Magazine ran a story on the town and talked to one Etta Peggs, an 86-year-old Aurora resident who was three at the time of the crash. Oh, wow. She claimed that Hayden, the man who wrote the newspaper article, had fabricated the entire story, stating that he, quote, wrote it as a joke to bring interest to Aurora. The railroad bypassed us and the town was dying. 
She also claimed there had never even been a windmill at the judge's property. Oh boy. I will point out that at least one investigation disagreed with that point and they found evidence of a windmill's base near the well at the judge's farm. So we're getting some conflicting reports. What do you think, Rory? Is it possible that the entire thing was made up by a journalist? Uh, I think it's definitely a possibility. You know, we've, we've investigated a number of stories where journalists have definitely, you know, exaggerated cases um, to make them seem a little bit more exciting. We're talking about a case that's over 100 years old. A lot of the people that were there at the time are dead now. And trying to recall memories like this from your childhood is going to be a difficult thing. I mean, even myself trying to remember specific details when I was like four or five years old. I can't do that. I can barely remember 15. So I could definitely see why this would be a difficult sort of thing to, especially because a lot of these kids, it seems like, weren't allowed to go to the site. Yeah, it's really hard to tell because it could go either way. I mean, on the one hand, we have more witnesses saying this is true than not. But at the same time, as you say, all of these people were adults long after this crash. Yeah. And... The crash could have already entered local legend by that point, where everyone kind of believes it or wants to believe it's true, but actually some of the people who were there have either died or moved on. We need to dig up the alien body. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to go there. It's not legal. We will have to appeal to the authorities, but we're, we're going to do it. I don't have to appeal to anyone. I, I got to <laughs> appeal to Senor Spade and Father Pickaxe. Yeah, I was so against the burial at the start, but this is genuinely a decent idea for how to preserve an alien body and keep it out of the hands of the interfering government. Surprisingly so, because apparently it's there to this day. The problem is we don't know where in the graveyard it is, <laughs> but it's probably not a big graveyard. What we really need is a, is a Goonies-esque treasure map yes. to find the alien corpse. Yes. Look, if they had buried the little bastard that crashed at Roswell, the world would be a different place. It would. But instead, people would be riding hoverboards. <laughs> people thought, oh, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to report it to the sheriff. And then the sheriff's going to do the right thing. And he's going to report it to the MIBs. And then the MIBs are going to report it to the president. That line of people is a line of people with guns to the back of the other person's head. Boom, 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 boom. All the evidence gone except for the guy at the top. And that's what we have today. Whereas what we need is an alien's rifle pointed at the line of authorities' heads. Yeah, because that thing is, it will be unstoppable. I think it shoots snakes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a laser cannon. I'd love to do, you know, we should do that. That'd be quite totally off topic. We should do that for an episode of This Paranormal Life, where we like record a secret bonus episode stick it on a usb pen sure and and like hide it somewhere in the world write a little like treasure map to see if anyone can hunt it down and find it that would be pretty funny that's a good idea that's cool right and we could like read out the clues on an episode and then people would have to go hunt it down that would be cool wow i like it maybe we'll do that we'll think about it okay so roy we have a hard question on our hands we got to decide whether this thing is truly paranormal or not what are you saying today Look, you know I love a good UFO case. This is exactly the kind of stuff I love to investigate on the podcast. But I've done enough of them to know what you need for a convincing paranormal case. Unfortunately, there is a direct correlation between the the amount of time you are going backwards and the amount of evidence required (laughs) to prove your case. Sure. 
the further back you go, the more substantial the evidence has to be, which is complicated because by its very nature, the further back you go, the less there was to document events like this. There wasn't videos, there wasn't easy access to photography, a lot of the relics and scraps of metal that they talk about here would have been lost in a hundred years. Uh, so it's always going to be a difficult case to prove. I think what we really needed for this case was a direct testimony from someone who was at the crash site. Yeah, someone who other saw than the, the journalist. Yeah, yeah, because by all means, from the description uh, and the article written in the newspaper, the whole town should have seen this. I mean, presumably it wasn't just one person at the funeral. Mm-hmm. There was a whole bunch of people grabbing scraps from the alien craft. It seems strange to not have more people to be able to corroborate this story. I think in defense of the story, I think everyone at the time supposedly believed it to be true. Yeah. And we do have the, those people who went to the crash site, their kids are telling us it's true and it happened and my parents went. Beyond that, it's just too long ago. and Man. It's just sadly lost to time. I think there weren't any other, once it was written up in the paper, no other investigators or journalists were going there and interviewing people about it. It just wasn't that time. It's definitely a little fishy as well, hearing about the railroad passing by the old town and uh, out of nowhere, hey, I guess, you know, there is a reason to come visit. We've got an alien buried in our graveyard. That's well, pretty cool. You want to come see him? Sorry, we're burying him today, <laughs> the day that we find out about him. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of suspicious. What do you think? I'm pretty much on the same page. I want to believe this. I want to give it a yes. But we're just that... People hate hearing it from us, I bet, at this point. But we're just that one piece away. Yeah. If that thing is there and researchers have gone and tried to sonar scan the graveyard for evidence of the body but just haven't got it yet, sheesh, I think we still need that Martian body. It's worrying how many episodes of This Paranormal Life end with us screaming, we need to dig up the body. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to sound great when it's played back in court, is it? (laughs) I think it's a double no today, guys. It is, unfortunately. I will say, if anyone does want to visit Aurora, Texas to try and find the Martian body for themselves, while the gravestone is gone, at the cemetery there is a Texas state historical marker with some information about the alien's history. So if it is a cover-up, they aren't trying to make everyone forget about it. Is grave digging, not robbing, grave digging a crime if you didn't know that there was going to be a body there? Because sure, if you go into a grave, if you go into a graveyard with a shovel, start jamming that thing in the ground. I think if you're in a graveyard, that's that's a, pretty that's illegal. illegal. I'm not I'm not arguing that point. That sure. was definitely illegal. If I was outside of the graveyard, like a couple feet outside. <laughs> If I was distinctively outside the graveyard and I was digging and I cracked the top of my shovel into a human skull. Sure. Let's say hypothetically I didn't stop. What if I kept digging around until I found the whole body? Is it, is that illegal? You've done this. No, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, you kept going? If I had the skeleton of a man in my house. Okay, sounds present tense again. If... If I hypothetically had a skeleton of a man in so my So you're not just house. asking about the digging. You're asking about, is it is it legal to have a, a man's skeleton in your house? I'm pretty sure I it don't is. Think it, I think it, the whole thing is pretty illegal. I'm is. wondering at what point I took things. I could have taken things too far. Okay, so you did slip up there and just mention that you have done this. I assume that wasn't just a speaking error. I just need to know, is it... 
more or less illegal for me to bin him, to throw him in the garbage, hypothetically? Is that more illegal or is it less illegal? What do I do? Listen, I've never heard someone who's done so many illegal activities so worried about what's legal and illegal. I just need to know what to do now because every move I can make seems to put me in checkmate. I feel like I'm cornered in the board with a human. Cornered yourself. I'm cornered in the board with a human skeleton, and I don't. I don't. I don't know how to get out of this. When you kept digging, when you kept digging, even though you knew there was a a human skeleton on there, that's when you cornered yourself. But see, this is the problem. I'm worried now to go back and rebury him because to a bystander, an average Joe, it's going to look like I'm freshly buried. Well, it's also in, it's in, been in the news. So it is going to look bad because well, it's in the news as a crime and well, that they're trying looking for the person who did it. Exactly. And I can't bin, I can't put him in the bin. What happens if a little dog goes through my trash? He picks up a bone. Then he brings the bone to his master. His master calls the authorities. All of a sudden I killed a guy. And I have his bones. I'm just imagining <laughs> you dumping the skeleton in like a doggy daycare. You're like, where did these little criminals get him from? <laughs> where? Tell me where you found the body, boy. <laughs> he runs right to my apartment. No, <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here, you little rat. <laughs> Said I'd give you treats if you ran to the woods. <laughs> Where'd you get that little thing? It's like a human skull. It's not even a little bone. <laughs> he starts humping your leg. Double no. I think it's going to be a double no. <laughs> Granted. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed the case of the uh, UFO sighting in Aurora, Texas. That's right. Don't dig up any skeletons because it's a bitch to get rid of them and it's a bitch to keep them. So just so you, you're openly you did it. Don't now. even at this point. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I have the I have the bones. Guys, if you just cannot wait until next Tuesday to get a dose of the paranormal in your uh, podcast player of choice, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life, where from five bucks a month, you can get access to a whole host, a backlog, a alien grave treasure trove of bonus episodes where we cover things like, boom, just one thing. Just say one thing. Boom. Sure. I'll just think of like the last podcast episode. It was really recent, so I should know what it is. Uh, all the things we talk about boom go the alien grave bear- no that was what we did was just this- now yep. so yeah another podcast boom. literally one there's like 30 of them so i'll i'll get like at least one more right i think we did one last week so oh yeah boom boom uh vampires yeah vampires so that was that wasn't that wasn't a bonus episode that was really no that was one of the regular ones i, I think i would know because i'm pretty sure i did that episode so no that was me i hosted that one really uh, we're getting sidetracked here. Surprised to hear that, honestly. Boom! Just say it. Boom! I think you're lying. I think I did that one. Pretty damn sure. You, okay. Pretty damn sure. I'm pretty sure I'm sure it's a bonus episode. You said there was a number of episode, things that we had done and you were going to list... You implied you were going to list them all off. Jesus uh, Christ. Oh! Okay, I got one. One. Just one. Last one was... Boom! Cursed video games. No! Oh, wait. Yeah, that was one. That was one. That That's the most was. recent one. So we went throughout history and we find the most cursed video games to ever exist and i made rory guess which of the paranormal legends were true and which ones were not it was a nice change of pace um and talking about one of our favorite topics obviously it was such a good episode that right now we are going to play the entire episode start to finish get ready for round two it's 30 seconds long and if you want to get crazy from 20 bucks a month, we have commune t-shirts. You can get shipped to your door uh, and beyond that, sky's the limit. 
head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. You can't get into the commune without a t-shirt and you can't get out of the commune with a t-shirt. Weird thing to say. Weird thing to just, it sounds like a threat. I don't know why you'd ever want to leave because it is paradise on earth. You'll need a few t-shirts though because it's cold. You'll need to layer up. Yeah. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to shout out those who've supported us on Patreon. Let's go. Special thank you to Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones goes digging for bones. Now, Uh Caleb, you got to be very careful there, my friend. As I mentioned earlier, once you have the bones, that's actually the most dangerous part. They're very hard to get rid of, very hard to dispose of. So just best of luck to you. Yeah, well, don't take advice from Rory. Thank you to Harry Dawson. Harry Dawson is very awesome at pretty much anything he puts his mind to. Hmm. He's one of those people that, uh, you know, they're like, oh, hey, have you ever skateboarded before? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure if I, I, guess boom, I can give it a go. Inward heel flip yeah. right down a vert ramp. He's Which is a pretty difficult one, actually. He's very awesome. Thank you also to Andre Schoenborg. Now, Andre Schoenborg sounds suspiciously like uh, Andre Cyborg. Hmm. I am willing to call your bluff here, Andre, and say that you are a cyborg from another planet. He did donate us a handful of screws yeah. on Patreon, which, which... That's a red flag. Yeah, that's not going to get you anything. I'm sorry. Thank you to Emma C. We tried Emma A, we tried Emma B, now it's time for Emma C. That's when all the other plans go wrong, and uh, as a last resort, you just open up a cage and unleash Emma C on the world. Um, She's some kind of beast. She is a beast. I will say that right now. We call her Emma to kind of like make our enemies less afraid. To be like, oh, Emma, like she seems like a nice person. She is a 10 foot panther. Okay. Emma C. Right. Yeah. No one would guess that. (laughs) Thank you to Louise Scothern. Louise Scothern is the mother of dragons. Mother. Legally different. She had to tweak it. A little bit so she couldn't get sued. That's annoying, yeah. Luckily, the dragons can't speak English, so they don't even know what's going on. (laughs) They still listen to her because she wears the dress and the Khaleesi wig and everything. That's copyright infringement. Yeah, that bit is for sure. Thank you to Sean. Sean Bon Jovi. Again, (laughs) a slight copyright change just to be on the safe side of the law. Um, But actually, a better singer than the real thing. Than Bon Jovi? Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much got to be one of the best in the biz. Living yeah. on a prayer. Sean Bon Jovi taught John Bon Jovi everything he knows. He he sings living on a curse. <laughs> <laughs> the death metal version. Thank you also to Rebecca Ferguson. Come on down to Rebecca Ferguson servicing. If your car's busted up as all shit, Rebecca will get it back on the road in no time. Or nice. your money back. So that's pretty, that's good then. Yes, I get my money back if she doesn't fix the car. Well. Don't say well. That's not. A lot of, there's a lot of outstanding lawsuits. A lot of people didn't get their money back and their car uh, was very much not back on the road. In fact, she had it crushed into a tiny cube. I think it's more of like a recycling scam of some kind. Oh, like give me the car, give me your money. It's it's a robbery, really. It's not a service. It's, not, it's definitely not a servicing. <laughs> Thank you to Neil Connolly. Neil Connolly is real lonely. Uh, he doesn't have many family or friends, but that's because he lives on the moon. Whoa, that's a go. That's a good twist. He lives on. We haven't really covered it on the podcast yet. He lives on one of the uh, 
secret moon bases made by the Chinese government on the far side of the moon, so he is quite lonely up there. Everyone always remembers the first thing Neil said when he landed on the moon. No one ever remembers the second thing he said, which was, I'm lonely. Yeah. That was, it was almost directly out. It was almost a run-on sentence. But they cut One it. giant leap for mankind, I'm lonely. Yeah. I hate that guy, Buzz. <laughs> Thank you also to Catrice. Catrice loves to feast. Sometimes they won't eat for like two weeks, three weeks straight. Bored, you know, they're almost Jeez, dying. Jesus, unsafe. Oh no, it's absolutely not. And then on that last day, with their like their final bit of effort, their final bit of life, they just order everything from McDonald's on Uber Eats. One of everything. And That's got to be a long wait waiting for that Uber Eats driver. you got to really plan ahead because it, sure. it, it, that almost takes a day in itself. Because they ordered everything. Yeah, so you, you really got to wait till you're a day from death to do it. But they've mastered <laughs> it. I think I've heard Uber from Eats the driver <laughs> just calls an ambulance as soon as they get there. Uh, thank you to Joe Toner. Joe Toner, a.k.a. The Boner. That's right, because he goes what? to every single grave digging up as many bones as he can find. Wow, that's My not where friend, I thought that was going. That is a dangerous game, because you've got a lot of skeletons to dispose of, or keep. Is that both what, of which that what are very you call risky. yourself, a boner? A boner? Yeah, in the profession, that's what we call ourselves. It's slang. Rock hard boners. Okay. Because <laughs> you've got to break a lot of rocks. That's enough. <laughs> Thank you to Holly Connold. They call her Holy Holly. Yeah. Because the holiness of death means jack shit to her. Every graveyard she comes across is like a car boot sale. What can I gank? What's available to me? She's taking bones from the floor like a freaking pup. Holly Connold, more like Holly Bonehold. <laughs> she can barely hold on to the <laughs> amount of skeletons. Thank you to Lewis Jeffries. Louis Jeffries, a.k.a. Theft Knees. He stole a bunch of skeletons' knees. Where are we getting these patrons? <laughs> That's right. This guy's got a couple of skeletons in his closet. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> these are entirely gravediggers? This is unbelievable. Yeah, of course. I told the boners, a.k.a. my gang of grave-robbing pals, about the podcast, and I guess they're pretty into it. Yeah. Jesus. Thank you to Loppy Ray. Floppy Floppy Ray, because their victims go floppy on account of missing all their bones. <laughs> so they're taking bones from the living. Now that is a that is a line I do not cross. Pre-death gravediggers. Interesting. And I will cross one of the most sacred lines of all between the living and the dead. But I will not steal from the living. Thank you to Caleb Osborne. Caleb Ozzy Osborne. This guy is... Listen... I hate to say it, but he's a better singer than his namesake. Wow. He, in fact, taught Ozzy Osbourne everything he knows. So Ozzy Osbourne stole his persona. That's right. You're blowing my mind here. This is crazy. Pretty nuts. Yeah, Caleb really started the whole uh, heavy metal revolution. Because Caleb doesn't sound like a very rock and roll name. I'm sorry, Caleb. No offense to you. Right. No, Ozzy, Ozzy bested you there. Yeah. He did. He did. That might be why he's world famous. <laughs> that guy actually donated $6.66. Nice. It's pretty pretty badass, actually, Caleb. Thank you to Oscar Ponce. Oscar Ponce loves to dance. <laughs> Except he's not into kind of all the classical kind of stuff. He's into... Ju I mean, he actually invented a lot of those new dances. The floss, the nene. Oh, cool. The, 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 well, listen, I'm not a dancer. I don't know any of these 
any of the rest of those. Yeah, he just gets up in the morning and just starts cooking up TikTok dance moves. I love it, man. I've been working on my own. It's called the Crypt Robber. You pretend like you got a little all shovel. Right, you, all right, that's not a dance. You pretend, you pretend, but you got a shovel. I go method sometimes, sure. <laughs> Thank you to Steve Murray. Come on down to Murray's Curry's. Get yourself a hot bowl of the good stuff. Oh, could I? That's great. I'm actually starving. Could I just get like a, do you have like a tikka masala or a... We have a tikka masala. We are missing some of the ingredients currently. But here, so you, so you don't have a ticket. That's fine. I could get a different one. Or yeah, order another one. This is a weird service. All right, I'll take a madras. A, a what? Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll. If take... you want a madras, go to a tailor's. All right, we sell curry here, and we're actually in a okay, hurry. Okay, give me literally any curry. We just changed the name to Hurry's Curries. So you got sure. thirty seconds to order right, a curry. Just a curry. Or get the, curry. get the get the out of my store. Jesus Christ, man! Get I... the fuck out of my store. So you know what? I don't get to get a curry now. <laughs> It's been 30 seconds, sir. No, I it think, hasn't. I think you should leave. It's been like two seconds. <laughs> I think you should leave. This takes more time than simply serving me the curry. <laughs> Kicking me out. Thank you, lastly but not leastly, to Andrew Sefton. They should call him Andrew Sefton because he steals people's... Let me guess. Bones. bones. Yeah, their bones. I'm glad to see that everyone in the boner community has, has come forward Jesus in full Christ. support of the podcast. Thank you, I guess. Dig long and prosper, my boners. Okay. <laughs> Thank you to everyone we've shouted out today. <laughs> what a terrible way to end the podcast. Thank you to everyone Dig who has support, supported us this week. Thanks for everyone who has uh, been shouted out. For everyone who is still waiting on their shout out. We are getting there. So if you have surely. any, sorry to, to interrupt, right. if you know how to dispose of a skeleton in a very uh, inauspicious way, please no. write into the This is not, this is not the platform. At, this g- is, at gmail.com. I'd, I have access to that email inbox. I don't want to read those emails. You, I'm sure there's a way to mute the, the phrase skeleton, okay. crime, <laughs> or bones. And I'd really recommend you mute it fast because they're already coming in. Okay. Thank you. We will see you next week on Tuesday again for a brand new Paranormal Tale. Bye-bye.